Informed Foodie, this is Di Wilkinson, nutritionist. You've discovered the best podcast there is on nutrition. I earned my degree in dietetics and nutrition at UC Davis. Thanks for joining me. This episode is going to be about a very chronic, uncomfortable, painful condition called irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. When we talk about a chronic condition and medical terminology, chronic versus acute. Acute means something is dramatic something just happened, acute care tends to be in the ER room at the hospital. Chronic care is trying to deal with something that's ongoing, trying to cope and manage a certain condition or a certain disease or painful condition that you might have. IBS is a chronic syndrome. It is a condition that can be managed long term and first of all the best approach with any symptoms you might be having with your GI tract is to check in with your doctor. This episode is going to get a little explicit about your bowel movements and some different things going on with your large intestine. Most people that are diagnosed with IBS or complain about these types of symptoms tend to be under 50 years old. Women have it more often than men. There can be a family history of IBS syndrome or symptoms and quite a few of these patients experience depression or anxiety or have some mental health issues going on. Okay, first I'm going to talk about the symptoms. The symptoms of IBS can be very fluctuating. Sometimes it can seem so chronic and ongoing, week by week, month by month. Other times it may seem like it's cleared up, kind of gone away, and the patient may even forget that they've had it, and then there's a rebound and it reoccurs. These patients have complained about abdominal pain and cramping and bloating. It might seem that some of this pain is relieved a little bit when there's a bowel movement, but then it recurs. Many have had excessive bouts of gas. There can be diarrhea and or constipation. Sometimes there'll be mucus in the stool. These are symptoms you need to check in with your doctor. Severe symptoms that may indicate other problems would be blood in your stool, iron anemia, unexplained vomiting or unexpected vomiting for no reason you can imagine, any type of trouble swallowing, you may have weight loss, bouts of diarrhea at night, Persistent abdominal pain and a bowel movement doesn't help at all. Those are more severe symptoms that really are not IBS that your doctor can help you with. I'm going to list some of the causes that appear to play a role in IBS. However, it's still a little bit of a mystery of how people have IBS. First of all, your intestines have a natural movement of muscular contraction to squeeze food through it. It's called peristalsis. Anytime you've had anesthesia, you've been given medication that stops any type of bodily function this way, and it takes a couple days to get that peristalsis back moving normally. There's rings of muscle that push and move the food, but anytime that there's excessive contraction or contractions that last too long, it can create excessive gas, bloating, diarrhea. However, if these contractions are too weak or not frequent enough, you can have a very dry or hard stool. People can have abnormalities in their nervous system that's telling the muscles in their digestive tract to work normally. When there's some stretching or bloating from the gas that's either being pushed too much or not enough, the nerves can be activated and it seems like there's a lot of pain. Sometimes poorly coordinated signals between your central nervous system and your bowels can cause your body to overreact to changes that would normally be occurring during digestion and peristalsis. So the pain feels like it's increased and it can cause diarrhea or constipation. Some people with IBS have a larger number of 
immunological cells in their GI tract. It's almost an inflammatory response to pain. Some people have developed IBS after a severe infection. People have suffered extreme diarrhea caused by bacteria or virus or even medications they've taken. There may be an overgrowth of bacteria in your intestinal biome. Anytime that we see changes in our microflora or all of the bacteria that is healthy and unhealthy bacteria living in our digestive tract, it can be set off balance. Some of the research has indicated that the intestinal flora in someone with IBS can range very differently than somebody that is not suffering these types of symptoms. There are different triggers that seem to make IBS flare up. Some people have thought food allergies might be doing it. However, this connection isn't really completely understood because true food allergies are rarely going to actually cause IBS, even though some people say the symptoms are worse when they eat certain foods. It is kind of known that stress does increase your IBS symptoms because the patients have reported more frequent stress episodes or high levels of event stress. And they've reported that along with their IBS symptoms because they're thinking that that stress may be aggravating those symptoms. However, it doesn't really cause them. IBS is a physiological response. Also because it tends to happen more in women and actually women have complained about these symptoms a little bit more once a month. So there may be some research being done around that area of whether or not hormones have an effect on IBS or IBS symptoms. Fortunately, very few people have severe symptoms where it just halts your life. Patients that aren't really able to function and cope definitely can get help with their doctor, with counseling, and with medication. It's interesting that people with IBS have reported depression, and we're not really sure if the depression and the psychological effect of stress is causing some of the IBS or just the simple fact that somebody with bloating, pain, diarrhea, and unexplained abdominal irritation are probably going to be depressed. There are many patients that have reported success. They can manage their symptoms with their diet, lifestyle changes, and addressing the different stressors in their life. The Mayo Clinic has put out some good prevention action steps, and the first one is a counseling. It seems that psychotherapy has been proven to really help with managing stress and thinking of different options to address the factors that we're all coping with on a daily basis. Biofeedback is also a very interesting approach to managing different body functions. You have electrodes that can indicate the response of your mind, sending a blood flow or focusing on certain parts of your body, and you're actually able to make subtle changes in muscle relaxation, easing your symptoms, and having a different state of mind. Progressive relaxation exercises have also been suggested. This is when you think of specific muscle groups throughout your body and you relax them one set at a time. So for example, you might be lying flat and think about just your toes. Maybe up to 10 seconds of thinking of how to relax, squeezing, tensing, releasing the bottom of your feet, your ankles, your calves. This is an exercise that definitely takes time, takes a peaceful, quiet place, and with lots of deep breathing, it's a highly recommended approach to managing your IBS. Mindfulness training is something that's recommended for everyone to try and use. It's focusing on the fact that you are here in this moment now, where you're sitting, what your body might be touching, the seat, your hands where they're placed, your eyes where their gaze is, living at and being present in the moment, not thinking about the future, not thinking about the past, things that are no longer occurring, 
things that you cannot change, which also includes anything in the future that is not happening now that you don't really have control over, but you do have control over where you are now. You have control over your body, what can go in it. You have control over what your mind can focus on. Probably the greatest weapon we have against stress is the ability and the power to select your own thoughts and state of mind. Each one of these prevention steps can be embedded in every single lifestyle and I've certainly put some of these in my own life. Being mindful of who you are and what you're contributing to this very moment is really where all your energy can be focused at because we can't change yesterday and we can't change tomorrow. The best way to have an effect on our future is to be present in the moment now and make it the best we can. I think you've making it the best you can by listening to the podcast, thinking about your health, thinking about the best food choices that you can make, and spending time listening. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, and we'll chat again next week. <laughs>